Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? You can't handle the truth! The truth. Sometimes it is massaged, sometimes it is bent, and sometimes it is simply lost. Nowhere more so than Australian Rules Football, where there are more officially accredited journalists covering AFL footy than Australia's Parliament. Hope, however, is not lost, for there are those who choose fact over fiction almost every time. They are the unlikely, they are the uncommentators, and not surprisingly, they are the unaccredited. Who are they? They are the last line of defence. My name is Glenn Manton and joining me across the fullback line of truth are the Nelson twins, Chris and Justin. Gentlemen. Justin. G'day Glenn. How are you Chris? How are you mate? Good. I'm good. Great. Have you not seen each other this week? Uh, we, look, we don't hang out a lot in... Uh... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> wow. I'll be honest, I don't really want to hang out at your joint, Justin. You've got too many kids. <laughs> too many children. Yeah, too many kids. Yeah. Too many kids. And I have to do jobs when I go around there. You Such as? Me, well, dishes, vacuuming, change nappies. Change nappies, look after kids. How many children are we talking? Oh, 18, 19, I think. 18, no, 19 kids. No, I've got three kids. They're not all mine. You do live in Sunbury, so I'm <laughs> assuming that 18, 19 is probably a little bit below par. <laughs> Gentlemen, as always, we are pressed for time. But let's see if we can fit in a couple of mailbag questions at the end of the show. But for now, let's look at this week's matchups. Christopher. I'm going to be playing on gambling in football. Gambling in the AFL. Who yes. would have thunk it? Yes. <laughs> Justin. Uh, I'm going to be playing on the Twilight Grand Final. It's going to happen, boys. It's going to happen. It Big prediction. Happen. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to play on Eddie Head Stadium. So. The last line of defence for podcast four reads from the back pocket, C. Nelson playing against AFL Gambling, G. Manton, Eddie Had Stadium, and J. Nelson, Twilight Grand Final. Gentlemen, let's sound the siren. Chris, opponent number one is yours, AFL Gambling. All right, I'm keeping it a bit simple this week, folks. I know I've gone to town on the underworld and the criminals of uh, AFL you in have. the past few weeks, but... I'm focusing on gambling this week, and I am saying that we have too much gambling advertising within the Australian football field, but also Sports. just Australian society in general. There is too much advertising for gambling. Well, I'm right behind you here, but if you take away the gambling, how does that affect the sport itself? It's not going to be as much fun, is it? Let's be honest. I was thinking more from a monetary standpoint, sponsorship and so forth. You're saying you can't have the game without gambling on it. I don't know if we can now, but uh, you I'm, tell me, well, what's the number one reason why we have gambling in Australian sport, and particularly in AFL? Tell me what the reason is. So that you can have an interest in watching the two bottom sides, so at least you can pick a first goal or um, something like that. No. Oh, I would Have assume it's, it's revenue. It's purely revenue. revenue. It's revenue, but really revenue for the government. It's, that's what it is. The government's not going to shut down the, uh, the gambling on sport now because they make billions of dollars worth. Well, gentlemen, this podcast is absolutely live. It's one take, as many of our listeners would have experienced last week. I'm going to ask you here in this live format, list for me. I'll try and write them down as many gambling agencies that you can think of that are affecting gambling in Australian Rules football, go for it. Ladbrokes. Ladbrokes, got it. Crown bet. Crown. Sports bet. Sports. Easy that's, bet. That's four, easy. Bet 365. <laughs> that's five, 365 bet. Any others? Tom Waterhouse. Is he still going or did he sell nah, out? No, he was uh, shot and cast out into the uh, Maramong <laughs> River. He's no longer with us. 
I've got down one, two, three, four, five, six, if you count Tom Waterhouse as being human. Uh, that gives us six particular gambling organisations without any trouble whatsoever. What's this doing to our children? That's my, that's my concern, is I'm a parent. I've, got, I've only got one kid. I know you guys have got a few more kids than me, but no. I don't want my kid getting on the punt and having a bet on AFL footy when he's 14, 15. This is coming from a bloke who once had a 16-leg multi. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've changed your tune somewhat, Chris. Well, I gave up gambling 12 months ago. Did you really yeah, give up shut, gambling? Yeah, I did. Shut down the sports bet account. I have actually gambled 100 bucks in the last 12 months, but other than that, I haven't had a punt at all. Were you up or were you down when you shut down your account? Wow, let's uh, name a person who would shut their account that was in front. <laughs> well, no, in all seriousness, a lot of people would go into that gambling space saying, I'm going to walk away when I'm at this point. No, I just had enough. But that brings me to my first question. Glenn, did you ever gamble during your AFL time or did you come into contact with any players at Essendon or Carlton that were gambling when you were playing? I can honestly say that I've never placed a bet on anything other than the Melbourne Cup in my entire life, and it wasn't until 2016 that I actually walked into a, uh, a betting agency, I'll call it, and put down said bet. So I've had one registered bet, if you like, in my entire life. Yep. Got no interest in betting on sport or anything else for that matter at all. I can say when I went back to playing local football during the warm-up laps, those traditional warm-up laps when you're running around the outskirts of the, uh, the park that you're going to play in or in around on the Saturday, I was talking to one gentleman who spoke to me about one of my teammates who spoke to me about gambling and so forth, and he said to me, I'm down 200. And I remember thinking to myself, down 200, that's not too bad. And I said to him, exactly that. I said, down 200 bucks, that's not too bad. And he goes, I'm down 200 grand. Wow. So he's down 200 grand suburban footballer tradesperson. I could not believe it. So never, never tempted to have a sneaky fiver on yourself in the brown line, Glenn? <laughs> never got to that You would have got some good odds, mate. I would have got, got some <laughs> very, very good odds. Well, what about the odds for this? I do often think about this in terms of the odds that would have been at stake on this particular day. Preliminary final, 1999, Essendon versus Carlton. I kicked the first goal that day. Oh, that Imagine the odds on that one. Did you play forward? Did you line up forward? I lined day? up down forward. Absolutely, and I, I managed to kick the first goal, which was a handball over the top, where it's, which is the way I kicked most of my goals, <laughs> uh, from Lance Whitnell. So uh, the gambling odds on that one would have been pretty uh, great. What do you think the odds are going to be in gambling not being a part of the Australian sporting fixture? Won't ever happen. Won't ever happen. They probably said the same thing about cigarette sponsorship too, though. Well, that that's the money the... was huge in that and that it would never happen, and it did. There's so no so cigarette sponsorship, down. Alcohol sponsorship, probably down. Yep. And gambling sponsorship. Well, I would suggest that... I, I agree. I agree with Justin. I think that eventually that will plummet as well and we'll find other methods and means to sponsor a game of AFL football. Having said that, however... Just quickly, gentlemen, uh, I just wanted to... Uh, I did a little bit of research, as oh, I do every week. Wow. Yes, I know you sound surprised. Wow. But who do you think is the biggest gambling nation per capita in the world? Well, I'm going to say the Chinese. Justin? I'm going to say Australia. Yes, Australia. <laughs> well, what, can you give us a top three? I can't give you a top three. I didn't go that far into it. Oh, but, you just uh, picked out Australia. Well, it was one. on the top of the list. So I think it was something along the lines of $1,500 a year per Australian, which is a lot of money per person, isn't it? 
That's an extraordinary amount, especially yeah. so when Justin's we, family's got 20 children. That's right, yeah. That, that could feed them for a day or two. <laughs> He's got amazing upkeep. So we have, we have a huge gambling problem in Australia, and I know it's not related to sports betting, but uh, Australia has 20% 20, 20 of the world's poker machines. Well, it is related directly to sports. In fact, at the moment, there's a lot of discussion around the NRL and uh, also the AFL bringing in different revenue models and obviously looking at their traditional revenue models, which some have been based around poker machines, particularly, again, that New South Wales market. So yep. it does have a direct context, and you do see day in, day out, hundreds and hundreds of people putting money into pokies machines that you know are connected to football clubs, even local football clubs here in Melbourne. So I think that is very relevant. I just want to get back to the original question, Glenn, that you dodged from Chris. How did I dodge? You dodged. What did you I dodge? Dodged. Chris asked you if you ever saw anyone in your time ah, at my apologies. No, I did not who mean had to dodge a that. problem gambling. I saw plenty of people, in my opinion, from afar, that's my opinion from afar, not from a learned, intimate position, who I would have questioned their gambling and the way they went about their uh, use of monies in that space. But none of the people that I associated with at my time, either at Carlton or Essendon, or for that matter in the AFL, involved me in anything of that nature right. because I think but they... Were you aware of people that had lost almost everything or were losing everything? To answer that sincerely, I'd say no, I wasn't aware mm. because I wasn't, as I said, privy to those intimate details. Looking back on it now, I can see clearly some signs of some certain players who are heading down that track. The one who springs to mind quite... Uh, Recently, uh, obviously promoted heavily in the media is, is Brendan Favola. The truth behind it all, though, however, I do not know. But the big Feb's fallen back on his feet, there's yeah. no doubt about that. <laughs> well, he is an incredibly uh, dexterous person when it comes to landing on, on the, the correct extremities. <laughs> he, he has uh, managed to, you know, I think, fall on his crown a couple of times, but he manages to glue himself back up and he continue does. on down the road. So. Yeah. With that in mind, we'll, uh, we'll think of the Fev next time we, uh, we have a podcast. It could be a potential guest. He could be. He but could for be. now, we need to hear from our sponsors. Light and easy, starving you back to an optimum weight. Fuck, I'm hungry. Welcome back to the last line of defence, where the full-back position is manned once again by yours truly, and I'm going head-to-head -head with Etihad Stadium. Gentlemen, yes. I propose that we scrap the use of Etihad Stadium in any way, shape or form for the traditional nostalgic type round, the heritage round. That those games should be played in heritage spaces. I think Etihad is soulless, vast, it highlights the athletic abilities but not the football abilities. At times it's claustrophobic. I'm just over it. I'd like to see the local ground brought into favour. I think the women's football's promoted this. You can get that festival type spirit happening. You can really draw on the people's energy. I think it highlights football itself. And as I said, it brings us closer together as a family of football supporters and it just promotes that nostalgic feel. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful aspect of the women's football. Why can't we bring it back into the men's game? So you're suggesting that one round a year should be played at the traditional home grounds like Arden Street, Glen Ferry Oval, that sort of stuff? I know we're going to lose a lot of revenue. I know <laughs> the grounds aren't set up for that. But we hadn't spoken about this, and you mentioned Arden Street, which actually isn't a ground that I'd thought of. But imagine, could we possibly close down that entire precinct, 
bring in food trucks, bring in different sorts of activities for people to partake in. Yes, the ground itself in this current climate could probably only fit maybe your 20, 30,000 people standing tops. Jeez, I think you're pushing it. Tops, I think you're pushing it. Absolutely yeah. tops. But isn't that a wonderful thing for North Melbourne? Isn't that a great thing for Melbourne? Isn't it a great thing for the community? Wouldn't people love to turn out? Imagine if we also coupled that with free public transport and whatnot and really celebrated the game of football at its grassroots. I don't think you can do that at Etihad Stadium. Chris? I think we could get the betting agencies to sponsor this round. <laughs> <laughs> back at the traditional grounds. St Kilda, uh, we're going back to Moorabbin. Imagine if Crown uh, Bet or Sportsbet, imagine Nathan Brown cutting live on Sportsbet, giving the odds down there at Moorabbin. <laughs> How do you rate that too, by the way? Nathan's little piece to camera. Nathan Brown, Matthew Campbell, former Brisbane Lions player, also is a is a advocate for Crown Bet. So, uh, you I, dodged the question. The <laughs> question is, how did you rate it? I'll be honest. I don't rate it a lot, but in saying that, Nathan Brown must get paid a hell of a lot of money to do that. And would any of us turn that money down to, to do it? No, we wouldn't. Well, I don't know. Who would you rate in terms of pieces to camera? Who, give me a top three out of these. Rate them. Jane Bunn, Channel 7 News. <laughs> Tom Petrovsky, Combank, Channel yeah. 10 Late at Night. And Nathan Brown, Crown Bet. I'm Who, on give Petrovsky. me a top three. I'm on Tom Petrovsky. So Petrovsky surely. one, Bun second, <laughs> yeah. or Brown. Well, I can't even have Brown in the top three. Oh, so uh, Brown, Brown, been bumped guys. out of the top three. Yeah, they're, taking, about, they're taking food directly out of the mouths of Australian children. Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Very harsh. Yeah. One other thing that got me thinking about Eddie had versus the localised ground was a bit of soccer footage. We're here to talk AFL, but I saw some soccer footage, and it was one of those classic, uh, you know, not ten, top ten type situations where they're counting down the not top plays and the soccer player had the goalkeeper way out of position maybe 20 meters away from the goal face kicks the ball and as the ball's about to go across the line the mud grips the ball and it's cleared off the line you just don't see anything like that at Etihad Stadium I like seeing the traditional grounds in their traditional configurations with the wind with the rain with the atmosphere I'm a, I'm a big advocate of these local grounds. You guys have played local football. Help me out here. We have. We have played local football. Did you play at Etihad Stadium? I've played at Etihad Stadium, yeah. yes. One of my favourite memories was when we went on the initial tour of Etihad Stadium and they were talking us through how it was this incredibly constructed ground and everything had been thought out. There was a boot stutters room, a room for the chaplain because there have been so many times I wanted to go in and see <laughs> Father Mulcahy before I went out on the ground and get blessed to run out there. All this sort of configuration was just done with the absolute, uh, I guess, pinnacle of, of football excellence in mind. And in walks Fraser Brown with a football and he kicks it at a wall which reverberates and rattles because it's just made out of metal. And he goes, well, this is shit then, isn't it? This <laughs> makes a lot of noise. And you just start yeah. kicking the football into it over and over and over and over and over and over again, uh, highlighting the fact that no one who'd ever played football had had any influence in the way this ground was constructed. <laughs> and it was constructed in a way that really wasn't conducive to the game itself. So, yes, Eddie had Stadium or back in the day, Telstra Dome, et cetera, et cetera, had played there, never liked it. Yeah. Well, what about, what about some country areas? What about we take a round out to Albury-Wodonga? Or oh, they're going to Bendigo and Ballarat. Or yeah, Ballarat. Ballarat, I think they're yeah. going to, yeah. yeah. I love that. I love it going back into those traditional heartlands of football and sports and also community. I can't see anything wrong with that. Can you imagine, I'm not sure if you gentlemen are even aware of it, Glen Ferry Oval, where you could only basically fit four or five people on the train line side. Yeah. So you'd have the train line side yeah. where you'd have people 
hunched up against the fence trying to hang on for grim death before falling down onto the ground itself. I just love that atmosphere that those grounds promote and I just think Eddie had is just a soulless venue and it's not getting any better. Well, I think you present a good argument from a, a cultural point of view, Glenn, but from a financial point of view, I don't think we're going to be able to negotiate million-dollar TV rights deals if we take football back to Glen Ferry. But what happens on the flip side when you've got the, you know, the influx of people wanting to connect with the game, a short-term loss for a long-term game. A bit like you there, Chris, with your pen. You can't <laughs> even hang on to the fucking pen during the podcast so it can be done professionally. Instead, you throw it down on the floor. Don't throw this answer to this question down on the floor. This is a good answer. This brings the people back to the game, brings the raw energy. Can you... Can you just picture a few weeks ago, and it is recent, when the, all the crowd was just pouring into the formerly known Optus Oval, now known as Icon Park, the great Icon Park. That was fantastic. Glenn, you're so angry and passionate I'm about not angry. This. But <laughs> we agree with you. <laughs> we agree with you. You're not agreeing. I'm, lo I'm looking at two of the same person <laughs> with the same expression on their face. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Uh, Have we ever disagreed on anything on this I podcast, Justin? Glenn just seems to have a hatred for Etihad here. I don't have a hatred for... They're a wonderful oh, airline. It's just a shoddy, <laughs> shoddy stadium. Yeah. And with that in mind, let's hear from our sponsors. Sports Bet, where you can bet on losing. Fuck, I'm hungry. Rounding us out this week on the last line of defence is Justin Nelson in the opposing back pocket. He's taking on the Twilight Grand Final. Justin, head-to-head. -head. I want to see what you've got for this topic. I am. I'm taking on the Twilight Grand Final, and it's going to happen, gentlemen, and I'm going to get emotional because I said last week that I wouldn't get emotional over GWS, and that went tits up. So I'm getting emotional. Here we are, Twilight Grand Final. It's going to happen in 2017. And if it 2017? Yeah, if it doesn't happen in 2017, it'll happen in 2018. But um, you know how I'm a, a big believer in um, hating the... the you know, the processes and the structures and all that sort of stuff that people talk about. If I could just um, tell you what Gillian McLaughlin said here about the Twilight Please. Grand Final. There's no rush. We've got plenty of time to work through a process and make a call. All right, so he's thinking about it. Now, I'll tell you who's a big advocate for the Twilight Grand Final, gentlemen. Meatloaf. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned. You say that Gil McLaughlin, CEO of the AFL, said there's no rush, and yet you're trying to push it through for 2017. How does that work? I think I've, it's just, I've just had a flash. Go. I've just had a flash. What about we combine both your ideas and we have a Twilight Grand Final at Glen Ferry Oval? <laughs> well, hang on now. Now yeah. we're thinking. Now you're being Premium silly, seating. You're you being can have five or 6,000 seats available for the <laughs> AFL Grand Final. It's an exclusive uh, event. It's an A-list event. Glenn, would you still get your Grand Final ticket being a member of the 200 Club if we were to have it at Glen Ferry in a restricted Well, that would, attendance? yeah. That'd, would you still get it? Yeah, it'd be a fantastic opportunity, <laughs> wouldn't it? Now, I want to know what the pros are for this Twilight well, Grand Final. Well, you accused me last week, Chris, of yes. not doing enough preparation. I thought I'd come up with the top three reasons why there'll be a Twilight Grand Final this year. And if not, He's prepared, Glenn. He's yeah. prepared. I'm going to record it and potentially <laughs> use it and post uh, it. Uh, for those people that are listening, the G-Man is recording me here, OK? so uh, And I'm looking at all his notes down here on paper. Sir, <laughs> go. Fire away. Uh, okay, Thrill so us. So reason number one is that last year's preliminary final between GWS and the Western Bulldogs had the second most viewership of any game of football outside a grand final. Okay, so 
we're leaning towards the Twilight Grand Final purely based on viewers. Yep. TV audience. Number two reason, the game is evolving. So we've got eight Thursday night games this year, up from five last year. We've got a good Friday football game this year, and we're even going to China. What do you reckon about that, boys? We're off yes. to China for a game between Port Adelaide and the Gold Coast. Now, number three... All AFL chief executives want to leave their legacy. So we've had Ross Oakley um, brought us the national game where it went from the VFL to the AFL. Wayne Jackson brokered the first massive TV rights deal of $500 million. Andrew Demetrio expanded the competition, adding the Gold Coast and GWS. And I think Gillian McLaughlin, well, he's already brought in um, Good Friday football, will want to leave his legacy, and that will be a Twilight Grand Final. Wow! How's that, Goodness boys? me! How what do about I redeem that? myself from, from boiled lollies week? to chocolates? That's <laughs> unbelievable. Now, just the thing that's caught me off guard a little bit in all of that is this game in China. Can you give us a little bit more about that? Is it a twilight game? <laughs> well, it's already controversial, gents, because Port Adelaide are suggesting that the Gold Coast will have a marketing advantage over what? over themselves because red, the Gold Coast jumper colour, is associated with China. Oh. Right. Yeah, so they're, they're crying poor and foul already. But so, but I don't even know what to say. I'm just so astounded and <laughs> amazed by your preparation and your delivery, mate, that uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on board with what Justin's saying. Glenn. It's good to see the kid grow. Yeah. That's yeah. what I say. We've, good we've to mentored see him, him well. Good to yeah. see him grow. <laughs> now, uh, it's sorry, a... no, I'm also going to interrupt you and ask you about the whole legacy comment because I think that's really, really interesting to leave your mark on the game post your tenure as a CEO, a coach, even a player is important for everyone, I guess, in, in their own context, their own right. You really think Gil McLaughlin's going to push for this one? This will be his legacy? This will be his legacy. He, he, he'll be aiming to leave a legacy that really stands out because he's uh, the man he took over from, Andrew Demetrio, probably a little bit tarnished over the Asada Essendon mm. thing, and I think he'll be wanting to leave a legacy, but to, I digress, boys, because I wanted to ask you, G-Man, you played the game, how would a Twilight Grand Final affect the preparation of the players? I think the preparation for a Twilight game would be quite simplistic. You just basically adjust your sleeping patterns, your routine accordingly. Where it's exciting for me in terms of preparation, or uh, should we say celebration, is post-match. Now, we know you, you don't want to hit a night spot too early. <laughs> yep. You want to get there at exactly the right time. The convenience of the AFL Grand Final isn't really there. You're all ready to go somewhere by 8 o'clock at night. It's really not the time to make an entry. Think of the Twilight game. By the time you've done your presses, you've gone crazy in the rooms, you've caught up with some friends and family, you, know, you could be pushing towards... 10, 11 o'clock at night, which is perfect timing Straight out to of the make G the transition. Exactly, yeah. make the transition. So really, Gil McLaughlin's not only doing AFL football a favour, he's doing Australia a real favour in terms of arts and culture. He's promoting <laughs> AFL footballers yeah. to get back out there. And as you said, places like Chapel Street can only really benefit from this. <laughs> yes. You don't yeah. think it's going to be too long a preparation? You've got now the Friday AFL Grand Final Parade, all that sort of stuff. And then if you've got to wait till a 4.30 bounce nah, not on at all. Saturday... Just, what does it... What does it do in all seriousness? It just gives you more recovery time. So it allows you to come up for the game. If it was a four o'clock bounce, if it was me and going about my business the way I would go about it, I'd probably wake up at 10 a.m., have something to eat, maybe spend some time loosening up, etc., etc. And I would have literally gone back to bed You're at 12. <laughs> back to bed No, at I'm, 12. I'm dead serious. Dead serious. <laughs> I would have gone back to bed around 12, 12.30 and got a couple more hours sleep in and then been at the ground at two hours ahead of the game. 
Now, hang on, let me just correct you on this Please. one. So, 12 o'clock, you'd go for a couple of hours sleep. Twilight Grand Final starts at 4. four. Yep. So, you're getting out of bed at 2 o'clock and yep. your Grand Final's in two hours' time. Well, that's exactly what I would do. So, if it was a normal AFL home and away game, I would go to bed at around about 11 p.m. Yep. After having a stretch, I'd have a full stretch, go to bed, wake up the next day at around about 10.30 a.m. Yep. Spend 10 or 15 minutes getting ready because everything will have been laid out on the Thursday, not the day of the game, but on Thursday. Jump in the car, head to the ground, be at the ground by 12 ahead of the game. So I would like to, I like waking up late. I've heard you're a bit of a spiritual man when it comes to preparation for a game. A bit of meditation. I even heard a rumour you sacrificed a goat, G-Man. I did sacrifice a goat, but that goat was rather annoying. And that's the reason why Father Mulcahy was brought into Etihad Stadium. Would he be present at Glen Ferry Road? Would he, would he be there for us? What, the goat? Or... Not the goat and Father Mulcahy. There goes the goat. Oh, goodness me. You've got to love the Mayans. And you've also got to love our sponsors. Officeworks, for everything stationary, including staff. I need a left-handed stapler. Fuck off. <laughs> well, gentlemen, that was a big show. Gambling, Etihad Stadium, and the Twilight Grand Final, but seldom does the siren sound without a word thereafter. Gentlemen, I'm thinking let's hold our own opinions off for a second, and let's turn to the mailbag where we've had some people Get in touch with us oh, and nice share one. a couple of questions. There, the first you know. question that came from Roger was, who in your opinion has been the best bearded player in the history of AFL football? Johnny Gastev. Oh, that's yeah. right. I, I did my research on that. Johnny Gastev as well. Yeah. John Gastev. And Mark Zanotti. Mark Zanotti had a bit of a beard too. He did. He did. He did have long hair though. But what about modern day beards? You can't go past Basha Hooley or Max Gorn. Nice, I like that. Oh, oh, John Gastev's a blast from the past. I loved everything about Johnny Gastev. Did you and play against him? I'm pretty sure I would have. I'm yeah. pretty sure I would have played against him and Mark Zanotti. They, um, they had a little bit of uh, spirit in them. They would have been better suited for the modern game. They like to run, they like to carry, they like to take on a, the, uh, the uh, opposition every occasion they could. So they're your, they're your bearded standouts. Yeah. There's not somebody in there that's... Well, Jimmy Bartell had the beard going last year, which wasn't too bad, but... Uh... Well, hang on a second. Was it too bad? I don't think it did him any service <laughs> whatsoever. Well... Look, Look, he wasn't committed to it. He wasn't committed. He wasn't to it, committed so to it. So he got rid of it, and you know, for me, that's not the sign of a good beard. If you're not committed, true. Can I ask? When was the last time the two of you were completely clean shaven? Eight years ago was the last. Well, I reckon time. it's longer. I reckon it's nine years ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nine years yeah. ago. Just separate the two. He's of a you. stickler for detail. Yeah. Lance. What would yeah. the two of you? do in terms of shaving the beard off if there was some significant money? We'll do anything for cash, G-Man. So, yeah. right, we'll put bet it out there right now. Bet, yeah, bet and they say, hey, Sports uh, bet, if they you... came to us and said, hey, will you shave your beard off, we no, would Would you it. take it off? For, for, the pro for the right price. Would you leave a mow or something, or just the entire thing comes off? Or? No, I'd, well, I'd leave like a Hitler, a little Hitler mow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is there a reason yeah. you would do that? I'm going to start the uh, National Socialist German Workers' Party here at Mesmes Cafe at 43 Ferguson Street in Williamstown, thanks to those guys. That is not a good idea. We are not starting plug. any socialist what party. Plug. Yeah, plug for who? I've just plugged the cafe the far and right. <laughs> We're not. No one's done that in the history of plugs. 
And we wish Hitler had a plug firmly inserted when he first started out too. Let's go to question number two here from our mate Phil, who says, where could, and this ties into your little idea, Juzzy, in terms of uh, expansion and legacy on the game. The question here is, where would the next possible expansion teams be located? That's an easy question. Tasmania has got to get the next team. Tasmania sure. has to get one? Yeah, So absolutely. you're saying Kooloroo, Jakarta, not on the list? <laughs> well, I, ha I had uh, Punch Bowl and Hopper's Crossing on my list. <laughs> Hopper's um, Crossing could probably sustain a team, well, I reckon I they could. Yeah, I reckon really Tassie could. would be great, boys. Everyone's grandparents are already down there retired anyway. So, you, yeah, that's a went down there for the, the Have they got the economy? Tasmania. Have they got the economies? Support to well, the Tasmanian government's pumping in a heap of money at the moment for North Melbourne and Hawthorne. But Justin, what about Darwin? We've already got the NT Thunder. Oh, I don't know about Darwin. I think Darwin could be a little bit problematic on a couple of different levels. Not no bigger than the weather. I think it's just yep. incredibly taxing and, and really it could seriously cause some dramas for people's health. That's a possibility. What about Canberra then? Opposite just weather there. Absolutely boring. No one's going to want to go <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I think... Who would want to move to Canberra? That's the thing. Well, you can't get fireworks there anymore, can you? No. There's still access to porn? Well, you can... You can I can get porn on my couch in Yarraville, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. I don't, I don't need to go to Canberra. Can we really... Can we bring an expansion team to Yarraville? Possibly. We could possibly bring a team to Yarraville. Maybe I could be the, the president or the CEO. the coach. I could be the coach. No, you've lost the plot now. Gentlemen, we must end the program here, but we can continue the conversation electronically. Please visit our websites, Nelson Twins and Glen Manton. iTunes, of course, have this particular podcast as a free download, so jump on iTunes, subscribe and whatnot. And don't forget to stalk us and share your mailbag questions, just like Phil and Roger, via the Last Line of Defence Facebook page and or Instagram. You'll find us. Just look for us. As the music fades up, gentlemen, some goodbyes. Goodbye, thanks to Aminat Mesmez at 43 Ferguson <laughs> Street in Williamstown. Oh, enough, 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 enough. Good to see you, boys. Good yeah, to see you too. Pleasure. And remember, the back line is the backbone.